1: Thanks for coming out today. This is tremendous.
2: Do you know how easy this is for me?
0: Welcome back, guys, to SEC QB. We appreciate you guys joining us. We got a really fun interview today with Chris Doring, former All-American with University of Florida, and is now with the SEC Network as an analyst. We talked through, you know, recapping the season. Had a really fun conversation with him, talking through quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl, his impression on Tennessee and what they need to do to move forward. But before we jump into that interview, the NBA and college basketball are back, and the Super Bowl is right around the corner. And with all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat as NBA champions, or if you're thinking about maybe the uh, the Bucks upsetting Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to BetOnline.ag. If you notice ahead of time leading up to the Super Bowl a lot of the money is on the Chiefs and the over right now you might be some value there on the on the Bucks but for game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online and there's always the online casino as well which never closes so head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again that's betonline.ag and sign up today bet online your online sportsbook experts well, again, like we mentioned, really fun interview with Chris Doring, former All-American at the University of Florida and now an SEC, an analyst with the uh, SEC Network and ESPN. So uh, without further ado, here's Chris Doring.
2: Chris, I appreciate you joining the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. And Taylor and I have been doing the show all year talking about the SEC and the quarterbacks, and we always end up talking about the national landscape because we're talking about the SEC and, of course, mm-hmm. its dominance in college football. And uh, Since the season was over, of course, we saw Alabama just – you know pretty much go through the season unscathed undefeated another national championship saving breaks the all-time record bear bronze record and of course we had the senior bowl uh this last weekend and i don't know if you kept up with the senior bowl but we had a lot of sec players there of course uh, Kellen Mond was there. Trask was there. your Florida Gator, K- Kyle Trask was there. Mac Jones was there, making big impressions. I know Mac really take the, took a, a a leap forward. he's trending up. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know what you've heard about the Senior Bowl if you were around there, but I'd love to hear your take on some of the stuff that you've heard.
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, you know i, I I've attended and covered it for Sirius X in the last two years, and it's really become a I can't miss event. And unfortunately due to the pandemic, they didn't send any of us out there this year. So I don't have quite the info and intelligence that I, I usually do about it, or at least the last couple of years, but did you play, you guys play in the, uh, in the senior bowl?
2: I did not. I came out uh, after my junior year. So I, okay. I wish I would have my brother JD did. And I went through that a couple of days with him, just watching him there. So yeah. I've been to the senior bowl in mobile, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know if Taylor's been there or played in it, but I, I did not.
0: I have not. I covered it last year and was and sort of same thing. I was bummed to miss it this year. It's a great yeah, event. It is a great event.
1: I had a chance to, to play in it my senior year. And as you guys know, the real evaluation, the real pressure is during the practice week. I mean, when, when you get the game, uh, it's game mm-hmm. Saturday most of the coaches and scouts and everybody else takes off. So I I remember back when I was at the senior bowl, you know, you you look over and the the coaches and scouts were actually on the field, running the drills, you know, Jimmy Johnson is standing right there as we're running one-on-ones. I mean, it was, it was a who's who of of football in general, where college football uh, fame meets uh, NFL fame. And and it really is a, uh, as they like to say, you know, the the draft starts there in mobile and everybody kind of descends on that area. But a little different this year. And and fortunately I've, I've had a chance to have Jim Nagy, the executive director of the senior bowl on with us on our radio show the last uh, couple of weeks and, and just the, the buildup, they did such a great job of, of putting that event on despite the challenges that the pandemic has presented. And uh, I, I, I can't remember the exact number, but of all the tests they gave the entire week, I mean, it was some ridiculous 3000 something plus number and they only had one positive test. So they did a really nice job of being able to make that thing happen and I know it was valuable for the players and, and the, uh, the coaches and scouts, especially sure. since the combine is not going to be taking place this year. But uh, from what I heard, man, it was uh, you know, all about Mac Jones. The consistency that we had seen all, all during the season uh, was on display in practice. And this is a guy, you know, he seems so laid back and mild-mannered. But the stories that Jim was talking about is how incredibly competitive he was and just wanted to, to be out there and wanted to be challenged and and wanted to, to prove that he belonged in the same conversation with a lot of those other first round quarterbacks and so it, it really uh it, it's been fun watching him and and Josh I no offense man but now after being a part of that LSU train in 2019 where I felt like I was almost a uh, an LSU guy with the SEC yeah. championship and the semifinals and the finals yeah, I, think, I thought that was the best team that I'd ever seen in college football. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think this year's Alabama team very much rivals uh, what I saw in 2019 from LSU.
2: I, uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, the Nick Saban factor, I've, I've been asked this three or four times on, on radio, shows myself who, who would win, you know, 2019 LSU, 2020 Alabama. I like that Burrow has a little bit more escapability. But at the end of the day, if you play on a neutral field, you have the Nick Saban factor, right? I mean, he's just such an yeah. intelligent game uh, prep guy. And you give him a couple of weeks or months preparing a normal scenario, it's very, very tough to beat him. So, I mean, how, how could you go against an Alabama team who had, who had, you know, of course, Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, and if if Jalen Waddle was healthy too, I mean, that, they were dynamite. I know LSU's receiving quarterbacks last year was great but that would have been the, the last two teams that won the national championship coming out of the sec those two teams are two of the best we've ever seen
1: no doubt i, I think it, how it, it's funny how comparable those two teams are and in, in terms of you know the great quarterbacks the really deep talented wide receiver cores, uh running backs that can do everything you know it it, it it defenses that got better as the season went on i just think there were so mm-hmm. many parallels and to see two teams that were that good in back-to-back seasons here in our conferences, uh, yeah, it, it's what we expect. I mean, we expect great, great players, great uh, teams in this conference, but to see that sort of elite type of team in back-to-back years in the conference was uh, was really cool.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Chris, I wanted to take, take a step back and go back to August of this year, or even July of this past year. I guess a two-part question. Number one, did you think, we would even have a season. And then number two, being on the other side of it now, what are your impressions of them actually getting this season underway and completed? And we had some sort of playoff and bowl yeah. season and finally crowned a champion.
1: Well, first and foremost, full disclosure, I'm the ultimate optimist. So all off season, I was really <laughs> optimistic that we would have it. Uh, I got to be honest with you. You know, my contract was up in in August and I was in the middle of, of uh getting ready to, to re-sign a new deal with ESPN, the SEC Network, and all of a sudden the Big Ten, you know, I remember that Saturday when the Mac shut things down and then news about the Big Ten shut it down in the Pac-12, and, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, this is really in jeopardy. Not only is the season in jeopardy, but my, my employment could be in, in, in jeopardy here. So it hits home uh, really, really quickly at that point. But I love, I love what Greg Sankey did. I love the leadership. I love the patience that he showed. I love the intelligence mm-hmm. and the way that he, he went about uh, addressing all of these different challenges that we'd never dealt with before. And I'm really, as much as I bang on the ACC, I was really grateful that them and the Big 12 kind of stood shoulder to shoulder with the SEC to make it possible. And then to see uh, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 jump back in really validated, I think, what, what we here in the SEC did as being the, the right, most prudent way to, uh, to handle things with patience, uh, with evolving uh, knowledge and information coming out, making decisions on the, on, on the fly as opposed to having to project what's going to happen so far down the, the road. So I, I was very pleasantly surprised uh, that we were able to get the season in, especially here in the SEC. Only two missed games. I, I think what we hit mm-hmm. 91, 92% of the scheduled games and, and, and really the key, Throughout this entire pandemic, has been flexibility, man, the ability to 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 be flexible and 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 mm-hmm. adjust when necessary. And I thought the SEC showed great leadership, and, and obviously Greg Sankey uh, was the leader in that way.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, it, it gets interesting from from really here, uh, from the Senior Bowl. We're not having the combine this year, uh, all the way up until the draft. I mean, it gets really interesting for a lot of these players. We we mentioned Mac Jones. We mentioned. Kyle Trask, I know Kellen Mond and Felipe Franks are two other signal callers coming out of the SEC that have potential uh, draft statuses that, uh, you know, these kids could get drafted. Of course, we've got players from the ACC like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields out of the Big Ten that are going to be drafted really, really high. And I wonder, uh, after Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, do you see any of these other SEC signal callers being longtime NFL guys or potential starters one day in the nfl and if so you know because why you know felipe frank yeah. you know he's got a strong arm he's a florida guy you yeah. know these guys but who do you think out of the the rest of the mix has a chance?
1: well i feel inferior talking quarterbacks with you guys but uh i, I will say I, I i'm intrigued by kellen mond and, and kellen mond man he, he shows you flashes of what he's capable of what he did to my gators um you know florida yeah. brought a blitz, you know, just about every single third down in that game. They were trying to heat him up. He knew where the blitzes were coming from. He got the ball out quickly. He threw with great accuracy in this game. And, and you feel like, wow, this dude's really taking some steps forward. And then you see him play like he did against Mississippi State or against LSU, mm-hmm. and it leaves you, you – you, you want more, you know. And, and I guess the, the great part about it is you've seen what he's capable of. You see the athleticism. You see the scramble ability. You see him involved in the quarterback run game. Uh, you see the accuracy that he can throw with, and uh, I, I think it just tantalizes you a little bit. So uh, I am intrigued to see, you know, in the way that the NFL offenses are evolving and becoming more like like college offenses in so many different ways. He's a guy that I could see, you know, find the right right place, you know, learn and, and, and get better. But I think he's a guy that, that you could probably see being a uh, a contributor at the NFL level at some point.
0: Shifting gears just really quick, I wanted to get your thoughts on and obviously kind of put the coaches aside. Jeremy Pruitt's let go. Josh Heupel comes in. Let's put the coaches and their resumes aside. I'm based in Austin, Texas, and I feel like the UT here and the UT in Tennessee have sort of similar issues going on with their expectations. What are your thoughts on just where Tennessee is at and how do you – How do you make a fan base like that be a little more realistic with the timeline that any head coach deserves if they're going to come in there and have any sort of success?
1: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I don't think Tennessee is guilty of, of being impatient. That's kind of the norm with the fan bases uh, in college football nowadays. And I remember back when, when, uh, when Ron Zook was hired here at Florida before he ever coached a single game, they were flying a plane around with the fire, fire, ronzook.com fly, you know, playing it (laughs) like, I don't understand why fans, you're supposed to be supportive of your school, of your institution. Mm-hmm. You know, the coaches and players are so quick to, to, to try to be negative and the divisiveness that, that that creates. I'm a huge Will Muschamp fan. I thought Will is and will continue to be a really good coach. He had some terrible luck here at Florida, but the reason that Jeremy Foley had to fire him was because he said it was just so the negativity was palpable and, and there was just so much divisiveness amongst the fan base. They just had to try to get everybody on the same page. I, it, it, you know, it feels to me like the fan base at Tennessee has been so undermining. I mean, obviously we, we think back to the Greg Shiano hire and how that, you know, quickly mm-hmm. was, was undermined by social media, but it, it seems like time and time again, it's self-sabotage from them. And, you know, I, I look at Kentucky. What 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 Mitch Barnhart did to show patience in allowing Mark Stoops to to, to build his vision and allow that to take shape that that that's paid a lot of dividends for them. And I, I'm really impressed with the heights that 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 Kentucky football program has been able to uh, get to over the last couple of seasons. And that does you know he was on the verge of of you know potentially being fired. And, and I thought that uh, they did a nice job of allowing him to. To you know, see it through with the recruiting classes coming in and development that took place. I just I think that's what what Tennessee needs. They need some patience. They need a dose of reality to understand that this is not 1998 anymore. And uh, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, Tennessee is is an arch rival of Florida's. Uh, you know, you you go head to head with them. You respect them, but you, you don't like them very much. Um, it, it's it's sad to see the 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 lows that they've sunk to, that the the losing streak to. Alabama, you know the. I, I think Florida's beaten them 15 out of 16 years or something. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I like when Tennessee is good. I like when they're competitive. It's better for our conference when they're involved in, in the mix. And and they become a bit of a laughingstock here over the last decade or so. So I, I genuinely want them to be better. Uh, but regardless of how you feel about Josh Heupel, if you're not patient, if you don't allow him to try to create the culture that he's trying to create, and allow I think you got to at least allow four years for a coach. Let a, let an entire recruiting class come through and be developed before you're actually, you know, pulling the plug on them and moving on to the next. You know, it's all
2: about scoring points. I think right now in the league, I mean, when you look at LSU two years ago, Bama uh, last year, Florida this year, uh, the number of points that are being scored by these offenses and making it making it fun for the fans and making it fun for the players. To be honest with you, they got four or five guys that are have, you know, have unbelievable numbers at the end of the year, catching the football, touchdowns. I mean, you guys had uh, Kad- Kadavius, Tony, uh, really a special athlete, speed, separation, agility. You know, playmakers, you were a wide receiver. And Kyle Pitts, the special size, the freak, the hands. I mean, those guys could both potentially be first-rounders. But I think that the league is really going – shifting towards the offense. And I heard Saban say something uh, – kind of early on in the year, Chris, was about, about you know, it's hard to coach uh, against these offenses now because the best players out of high school are wanting to play offense because it's yeah. so much fun, and they're scoring yeah. points at record pace, and these guys all want to be in the newspaper. So how do you got to get these these defensive players that are in the secondary, especially having to match up across the field with all these guys and and, and having to deal with coaches that know, like Dan Mullen, how to call plays. Uh, you
1: know, day in, day out. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, you know, I I think the rules are obviously slanted uh, in the advantage of the offense. We talked about before Nick Saban's talked about it before the tempo with which teams are using the, the RPO uh, allowing, you know, some, some uh, liberal interpretation of linemen being downfield Um, you know, some of the, the the interference calls, you see, there's a lot of things that favor the offense these days And, 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 really, it's, it's, it's not enough to win. You have to win with style. You have to win with offense. You have to win with points. And I know that better than anybody. Having played for Coach Spurrier at Florida in the 90s, our fan base got spoiled by the, the success we had, but also the style in which we were doing it. And so much so when you know, Will Muschamp in his first year here takes Florida to the Sugar Bowl, they win 10 games, and it's not enough for the fans because it was done with defense and close games and it, it just wasn't uh, satisfying to the, the, the Florida fan base. So it continues to be, you know, if you're a defensive assistant coach, yeah, you, you better, you better hope you get extremely lucky to get an opportunity to be a head coach uh, nowadays. Cause it is all about promoting offensive guys, all a, all about promoting a young coaches and and guys that can relate and and help in in recruiting and and can uh, be on the same page with the players that they have on their team a little bit better. Uh, But I I don't know. And I I really don't know unless you're going to change some of the rules a little bit. I don't know how the defense catches up. You know, I uh, you guys may be aware I I held the, the SEC career touchdown yeah. reception record for 25 years it was 30 31 <laughs> Devonte smith finished with 45 he beat my record by 14 touchdowns <laughs> and i think it just speaks between him and like you know jamar chase what do you have 20 21 touchdowns uh, really? last year in, in 2019 these guys are putting up ridiculous video game type type statistics and i, I don't see how you, you put the, the the genie back in the bottle at this point
0: totally agree well chris man we really appreciate you joining us uh, it's good to chat with you and hopefully as we get closer to the draft we may have you back on again uh,
2: but thanks again for joining us man we appreciate it
1: yeah no I'd love to man that would be fun I appreciate you guys
0: having
2: me awesome man thank you for coming on Chris I appreciate it brothers.